Well, hello there, everybody, as we are back with another edition of the Extra Rounds podcast on Fansided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA. And we're going to start the show in just a minute, but before we do that, this episode of the Extra Rounds podcast is being brought to you by TestStrips.com. That's TestStrips with the Z, ladies and gentlemen, .com. Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. You can sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause. That cause is the fight against diabetes. Why would you have extra diabetes supplies to sell? Maybe you've switched brands of testing supplies. Maybe the accumulation and overstock of supplies over time. Maybe the unfortunate news of a relative or a significant other passing away. Whatever that is, you could turn those extra unused supplies into cash. At teststrips.com, they'll buy all major brands of glucose test strips and lancets, including AccuCheck, Bayer, Freestyle, and OneTouch. And they offer a simple-to-use, fully automated platform where individuals can submit sales orders and request prepaid shipping labels to ship your items. Once the package is received, they will send payment within 24 hours via business check or PayPal. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? They will then take those supplies. They will resell them online at significantly reduced prices, sometimes up to 80 to 90% off pharmacy prices. They do that because... They don't want these supplies to go to waste or expire, and they want to create a more affordable market for those who are not covered by insurance. What a company this is. You can learn more by going to teststrips.com, teststripswiththez.com, or calling 855-STRIPS-WITH-THE-Z-1. That's 855-STRIPS-1. Teststrips.com, Better Business Bureau accredited, A-plus rating for over five years. They are affiliated with the American Diabetes Association. They support the Wounded Warrior Project, and they have partnered up with one of the biggest sports radio stations in the country, 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston. Test strips with a Z.com. Sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause and support a just a fantastic company. Now, let us start the show. Fan-sided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA present the Extra Rounds Podcast. Yes, exactly. Let's go get them. We're going to shake things up. Now, here is your host, Mike Hack. Another episode of the Extra Rounds podcast on Fansided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA. My name is Mike Heck. I'm your host, broadcasting from our studios here in beautiful Berkshire County, Massachusetts. Of course, if you listened to the show last week, you know that that is all about to change in terms of where we'll be recording the show. If you want to find out what I'm talking about, go back into the archives, listen to last week's show. is episode 99, and I'll tell you all about it. But I always tell you when we do these shows, to subscribe to the Extra Rounds podcast because you never know what's going to happen. There could be a pop-up episode. And that's what's happening today. Of course, we promoted the many interviews we're going to have later on this week, which is going to be recorded tomorrow. And we're going to have Valentina Shevchenko on the show. We're going to have Zach Otto on the show. They were going to have two of the winners from the Tough 28 finale, Leah Letson and Maurice Green on the show to talk all things MMA. But the biggest story to come out of the weekend in combat sports, and Lord knows there was a lot of combat sports action on your television screens and wherever you got the opportunity to watch it, but it was Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's still talking about it. We're still seeing the videos of... That 12th round where Wilder viciously knocks down Fury. Everyone thinks the fight is over and then Fury rises from the dead like the Undertaker and 
what a crazy fight that was. Now, I'll be honest with you. I watched it. Did I give it everything that it deserved in terms of my attention? Honestly, I did not. There's just so much going on between combat sports, family, and all sorts of craziness. And this cannot be ignored, ladies and gentlemen. So even though this is an MMA podcast, we have to give this attention. We have to do this justice. And there's only one person I could think of that could give it that justice. So in this special edition of the show, this pop-up episode, so to speak, we're going to do an entire go in the full five on the Extra Rounds podcast. Let's talk Wilder Fury with longtime boxing coach, man who has coached the likes of Frank Mir, Anna Houlton, under the tutelage of the legendary Freddie Roach. Let's go the full five with Angelo Reyes. Five, four, Well, this is a rare treat, everybody. It's been a minute since I talked to my good friend and coach, Angelo Reyes. Angelo, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks, Mike. Man, I'm so excited to finally be back on with you. So uh, hopefully it becomes a regular thing again uh, with you. I I, I know we've both been pretty busy with some some stuff. But what what a way to to get me back on to talk about (laughs) heavyweight boxing, man. Everybody's still talking about it. It's like water cooler talk everywhere right now with uh, Wilder and Fury. So I I know you watched it. Um, uh, what did what did you think? Well, we're gonna get to all that in a second because you know I want to talk about like the fight as a whole first because you know I was telling you off here I watched the fight once but honestly with like everything going on that night and in my life I probably didn't give it the attention it deserved and you are here to fill in all the pieces. So before we get into like the scoring and all that. You know, I, I know you've been hearing it for a while now from people. Boxing is dead. Heavyweight boxing is dead. And then this fight happens, and the entire combat sports world is talking about it. Even with two Bellator shows, two UFC shows, you know, whether they watch it or not, everyone's talking about it. So I want you to give us your overall take of the fight itself, like in terms of action, entertainment, boxing in general from your perspective. You know, Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer has his five-star rating system for wrestling matches. So how many stars do you give Wilder Fury and why? Can can I give it the highest like one one more star <laughs> than the highest? It's um, a, he's done but, six you know, stars but, before, so you can. Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, look, like, what the the thing about boxing is, and I've and, and when every time I've been on with you, Mike, I've always said this is, it's a global sport. It is global. So any any time somebody or people are all oh, boxing is dead, they just don't know. They don't realize that there's this scouting system and talents being built from underneath and and when mainstream fights happen everyone gets interested so just about a year ago we we had spoken about how there's joshua versus klitschko and that had almost a hundred thousand people show up and that was in the uk side of the world and that was a major heavyweight fight and here we are now we're ending 2018 and we're talking about fury versus versus wilder and 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 again People might forget because they're not watching it like maybe how they watch NBA with 82 games where Fury, he was the lineal champion. He did beat, he beat Klitschko way before Joshua even beat Klitschko. Fury was the one that, that beat Klitschko. And at the time, Klitschko was the most dominant heavyweight in 10 years. So um, Fury beats him. And then, like Fury said in his um, uh, pre-fights and post-fights and sharing his story right now about mental health, he kind of went off the grid and lived life like a rock star and got into drugs, gained over, you know, close to 400 pounds. Um, 
So, but, you know, for him to come back the way he did, it just reminded everyone how talent-rich the heavyweight division has been uh, for, for all of these years. I mean, we, we, you know, people forget that Luis Ortiz was on that undercard. And Luis Ortiz it was still one of the top five heavyweights right now. And he scored a knockout against Travis Kaufman. But he had a hell of a fight uh, uh, prior to this Kaufman fight. It with Deontay Wilder, where he hurt Deontay Wilder. Then Deontay Wilder had to come back, and then Wilder knocks out Ortiz. So, uh, so yeah, man, boxing's not dead, and these are the examples of, of mainstream heavyweight fights, Super Bowl style, that everybody gets gets involved in. So this this fight, drama, story, storyline, um, you know, promotions, it all gets the highest grade, one hundred percent. It's like th- it's like three Michelin stars. If we're talking food, man. <laughs> this this is awesome. This is this is awesome. You know, as good as the fight is, and we talk about we kind of talked about with Triple G and Canelo. There there was some controversy with the fight being scored a draw. One judge scored it. I think it was one fifteen, one eleven for Wilder, and I still can't understand that. Even watching it, you know, not half heartedly, but probably like seventy percent heartedly. And a lot of people thought Fury got screwed. Should have gotten the decision. I mean, if you jump on Twitter, you know, Fury got screwed. It's all over the place. And I personally didn't have a problem with with the draw there. I really didn't. So, But I could certainly... I, I don't understand how anyone could score it for Wilder, for, if, if, if you understand what I'm saying. So, And this is coming from someone who isn't a big boxing expert. So right. what say you? Like, How did you score it, and, and did you have a problem with the result? No, I, I 100% I didn't have a problem with the result. And in fact, as soon as... On the 12th round, I'm watching it, and when the knockdown happens, I started messaging everyone, and I said... It's going to be a split decision. And then they were all like, what? And and, I, and and the reason why is, and you and I have had this conversation before, Mike, where when you're watching boxing, you have to really pay attention in what's happening strategically. And if you're a casual fan and you don't watch a lot of boxing, then you may not even understand how scoring goes. Um, but here's an example of a great fight to watch if you're a casual fan and you really want to watch how to score boxing, the first half of that fight. And and again, let's take away emotions from it. Let's just look at it. Technically the first half of that fight rounds one through six, a lot of those rounds were really close. And depending on the angle that you're watching that fight in, it's hard to say. And it even depends on you, preferentially because boxing is subjective and when you're leaving it to judges, right? It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, Miss Universe pageant. I mean, how the hell do you know what judge is going to choose what? It's not like basketball where a hoop goes in and then you go, oh, that's definitely two points or, oh, that's definitely three points. In this this scenario, the judges are basing their, their scorecard on what they saw. But they're in three different sides of the ring. So what they saw might be different. And then now, as a human judge, not a robot, it's going to go to preference. So when I say that first six rounds was close, I believe a lot of that had to do with what I'd spoken about on the pre-fight talks leading up to this. I said that both don't get enough credit. I'm talking about Wilder and Fury in the sense of how high how good their IQ is in terms of how they set up their own styles of, of boxing. So there was a lot of setups happening in, in the first six. Um, Wilder, he, he's right. He did get a little too wild. I think that 
in the first, I want to say even the first round, he he really just wanted to go after Fury. Um, and this is an example of when you watch the first six rounds, I could actually see how the score came out seven rounds to five for, for Wilder. Now, I didn't score it that way. I scored it seven rounds to five for Fury. But because of the two knockdowns, that's how I ended up with the draw. And even after re-watching it, I got the same scorecard. I still scored it uh, seven rounds to five for Fury, but the two knockdowns makes it a draw. So the guy who scored it 115-111, if you take away the two knockdowns, he's basically saying it was 115-113. The reason why it says 115-111 is because of the two knockdowns. But really, all he did was he scored it seven rounds to five for Wilder. Now, the guy who scored it 114-110, he messed up the math. Because what that card should actually be saying, Mike, is 114-112, which is uh, uh, eight rounds to four for Fury, which, as you know, a lot of people want to give at least eight rounds to Fury, right? He outboxed uh, 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 Wilder is, is how everybody or how a lot of people were, were saying it. Um, so it should say 114-112. So here's what's interesting. The guy who scored at 113-113, which that means he gave seven rounds to Fury. He gave five rounds to Wilder. If you look at his scorecard and you look at the, the scorecard of the judge who scored for Fury, 114-112, they had the exact same scores on every single round except for round six. And that was the difference. So that's what I mean is that it's so like those two were the closest to each other. And it was and it was so close. It's like, ah, oh, man, you know, and, and, and round six it was kind of one of those rounds where you go, well, who are you going to give it to? Right. Um, and then if you look at the other scorecard, the one that you're talking about, where you said, I don't I don't know how they could have scored this much. Well, again, keep in mind, he scored seven rounds for, for Wilder, five rounds for Fury. That's the 115-111 score. But if you look at his scorecard, you could, if you're going to criticize him, you could actually only criticize Alejandro Rochin for six of the rounds. Because six of the other six rounds, he scored it exactly the same way as uh, the other two judges. And then that's where, again, you're, you're now you're going you're to start to split hairs, right? You're going you're gonna to go, well, how does this work? How does that work? So I'll give you an example of how uh, of how close certain rounds were, and depending on how people saw it, dictates what you wrote down on paper. If you look at the fight, all three judges who actually scored the fight scored round one for Wilder, but Steve Farhood, who's an amazing analyst and is a Hall of Fame boxing veteran, totally knows what he's doing, scores the first round. For Fury. Now the second round, all three judges, the one, the official judges, all scored it for Fury. But Steve Farhood, who was sitting right there also, he scored it for Wilder. So if we were just talking about those two rounds alone being that different from four people who were sitting right there, and because Steve Farhood isn't the one that's an official judge, he's doing the judging for showtime but he's sitting right there too 
Well, then how close were those first two rounds alone? And if there's if those first two rounds were that close, well, then how about the other close rounds? And that's what I mean about how when people go, oh, man, this is a robbery. It's like, look, bro, you have to have watched <laughs> a lot of boxing to say robbery to someone like 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 people who've watched it a lot, like myself. Because robbery is when I was on the floor watching it live for Pacquiao Bradley one. That was the robbery. Um, I did watch Lennox Lewis versus Holyfield, and I felt like, yes, Lennox Lewis did get robbed in that in that first fight. Uh, but you know, you can't just throw away you throw around robbery, man. Like, like this wasn't a robbery. This was a very high level, very close heavyweight fight. And I've explained this before about Deontay Wilder. His style is really unique. He's like a, um, if he was a pitcher, he's like a knuckleball pitcher, but throws the knuckleball at about 95 miles an hour, which is just insane. So you can't, so I know some people think it looks ugly, but I'm like, look, man, there's a reason why this guy can weigh 212 pounds, be outweighed by 40, 50 pounds against his opponents. And they're scared of Wilder. So in, in Wilder's not the one backing up, trying to outbox uh, people in the sense of, of using the jab for length and getting away. He's the one coming forward, trying to knock you out. So how can the smaller man be the one coming forward to knock you out? And if you're a judge and you're already looking at it that way and you're saying to yourself, man, this Fury guy who's 6'9", he should be hurting uh, Wilder. But he's not. Looks to me like Wilder's the one hurting him. Every time a body punch happens, every time I hear a jab uh, or I see a jab, a jab connect, I feel like Wilder's jab is hurting Fury more than Fury's jab is hurting Wilder. So then it's not wrong to pick Wilder for that round. And, and, and th- so that's how close this match was. Yeah, and you go through through Twitter, and it's you know mostly MMA fans chiming in on 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 the boxing fight and giving their perspective. Oh, it's corruption. Boxing's fixed. It's, they're just trying to book the rematch to make to make lots of money. And I mean, I remember having you on my old podcast. We were talking about Triple G Canelo one, and you would kind of like flip the script on everybody because we we're like, oh, this is bullshit. And then you kind of told your side of the story, and we were like, oh, he's actually makes some great points here. So. When you're scrolling through Twitter and you see all this stuff, are you engaging with these people and kind of like letting them know, you know, maybe you should watch the sport a little more closely? Like, how are you reacting to seeing all this? No, I, you know what? I, I've been around it for so long that um, I like it. You know, and, I, and I'll tell you what. If, if, if it was a clear-cut victory, all right, Wilder knocked out Fury, it wouldn't get as much play as it's getting right now. If it was a clear-cut victory and Fury completely outboxed uh, Wilder, wouldn't get as much attention right now. The reason why it's getting so much attention <laughs> is it's it's like it's like political views, right? Like, oh, well, I can argue this with you and I can argue that with you. And I like it because it actually just shows you again how powerful of a stage boxing is. And heavyweight boxing is the high. It, it's like it's what moves the needle for everyone and for everything in the sport. So um, the fact that the very next day all the way to the first monday of the week everybody's talking about it everyone's arguing about it is there going to be a rematch isn't there going to be a rematch this is awesome man you know because can you can you see all the different scenarios that's going to happen right now you know um you know like like college football and i i don't know if you watch it that much i mean i don't but 
uh, you know, it, it's interesting how they always argue the whole, well, I, that team shouldn't be ranked number four. It should really be this team. And here's the reason why. Well, that's all that's happening in boxing. All that's happening is people are going, well, Wilder shouldn't have won. And then some people are going, no, Wilder definitely won. And some people are going, ah, Fury. So th this is good, man. I like it. I like it. It, it, gets, it gets everyone excited. It gets everyone to want to watch the next fight. And that's the thing, too, is we don't even know. Most people could try to sit there and, and, and predict it like, oh, there's going to be a rematch. I actually don't think they're going to rematch. Really? I, I, I don't think they're going to rematch at all. I think that the next fight you're going to see is um, uh, Fury versus Joshua in the UK, and it's going to sell out a stadium even bigger than Wembley. You don't think there's going to be a rematch? I, I mean, not not immediate. No kidding. Not immediate. Because, because you know, like, look, man, uh, one of the things that's one of the things that, that that didn't get talked about, and and I get it, Twitter's blowing up about all of this. But the other side of the sport, the sad the sad side is, on the same day, on the Showtime um, YouTube or or apps that you use for you to be able to watch extra matches, they showed a heavy uh, or a uh, a main event title fight in Canada between Adonis Stevenson. And um, I'm going to butcher the opponent's name. I'm sorry. Um, he, I don't even want to say it because it's just good for you guys to look it up. Adonis Stevenson, who was the champion, ended up losing that fight. And then he ended up in a coma. So still in the hospital right now. Last time I checked. And um, completely, you know, I mean, this is the dangers of boxing. So I bring this up because when people ask me, oh, you don't think a rematch is going to happen? In it's easy, especially when, when you've seen the things I've seen where, where you go, yeah, of course a rematch doesn't have to happen. Because right now in the UK, everyone would pay massive money to watch Fury versus Joshua. If, in fact, if Tyson Fury never uh, got on, uh, you know, uh, on the downhill that he went after beating Klitschko, we wouldn't have never even seen Klitschko versus Joshua. We would be talking about Fury versus Joshua anyway. So in a lot of ways, this is a fight that, that has to happen. And the onus is now on Anthony Joshua's side because Anthony Joshua, from what people are pretty much saying, is the one who turned down the offer and the fight from Deontay Wilder. Now, if Joshua turns down the fight against Fury too, well... He is kind of like, like, like a lot of people are going to say, well, dude, you're just scared, man. I mean, yeah, I get it. You're a gold medalist and you, you know, you, what is it? 22 and oh, with 21 knockouts and you're younger and you're strong and you're huge and you look like Hercules. Well, then why are you scared to fight Fury? Why are you scared to fight Wilder? Like, that's what everybody's going to say. So I actually believe that the next fight you'll see is Eddie Hearn, uh, the promoter of Joshua, who is in charge of the DAZN. I mean, if, like, look, Mike. If you if they can pay, if the zone can pay three hundred and sixty five million, is it to Canelo? <laughs> and then I'm sure they can come up with a, enough money for a fight between Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. And I and I actually think that's the next that's the next thing you're gonna see. You're gonna start to see the trend go that way, and which is good. I actually like it. I I, I want to I want to see that fight so that I can just say. All right, let's see how Fury does against Joshua. And then let's say Joshua wins. 
Well, if Joshua wins, then you go. Well, now you have a clear cut on Joshua versus the path to Joshua versus Wilder. But what if in the crazy, you know, in this scenario, over a hundred thousand people show up? It's in the UK. It's the biggest fight in UK history. Uh, uh, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua, and Fury beats him, man. <laughs> what if Fury beats him? So now it's like, well, Fury's still young. He's not old. Fury beat Klitschko to become the lineal champion. He beat now Joshua, who took over that from Klitschko. So you would argue that really then Tyson Fury is undefeated, never even really lost the lineal championship uh, 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 um, titles, which now means if you're con- if the controversy is between Wilder and Fury, and a lot of people are out there saying, oh, well, Fury really beat him. Now, a rematch between Fury and Wilder would be massive money. So, and again, I brought up the Adonis Stevenson because that is the dangers of this sport. And if you're Tyson Fury and you just got knocked down the way you got knocked down in the 12th, and it's that crazy, man, how hard these punchers hit, why would you take fights that aren't going to bring you the most money? You're going to take the fight that's going to bring you the most money. And at this point, Wilder Fury would make a lot of money. That is true. But Joshua Fury would make massive money over that. So that's why I think that's going to be the next fight. That's actually such an interesting way to look at it because, you know, we kind of look at it with with MMA binoculars on. We're like, oh, you see that? Immediate rematch. Dana White comes out, immediate rematch. But boxing's looking at it as... Listen, we are in a win-win situation here because the fight we're looking for is Joshua Wilder anyways. Like, that's the biggest of the big. But now we look at it as, you know what? We'll, we'll put Wilder on the sidelines for now. We'll let Fury and Joshua fight. And the winner of that fight is going to fight Wilder. And the fight's going to be gigantic no matter what. Like, if Fury gets the win, that fight becomes even bigger, that rematch. And if Joshua wins, you got maybe the biggest heavyweight fight of all time. So, yeah. uh, it's such an interesting way to look at it, how they have this win-win situation. And a lot of people don't see that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and again, people forget too. Look, these three fighters, it's not like the UFC. They're not under the banner of Dana White. So Dana gets to do that all the time because he's in charge. In boxing, that's not how it works. In boxing, this this would be the equivalent of if Fedor wins the championship and Cormier's out there after defending it from Derek Lewis. And then you got Brandon Vera, who's the heavyweight champion at one cha- at one championship. And then Mark Hunt right now is a free agent, right? This is what it would be like. If, if we were comparing MMA into boxing, it would literally be that Scott Coker would then have to talk to Dana White to see how much money they could generate if Cormier and Fedor were to fight each other. And if that's not good, then Chautry is going to then talk to Dana <laughs> to see if, if uh, Daniel Cormier could go fight Brandon Vera. And then if that's no good, then Brandon Vera versus Fedor. And then if that's no good, well, Mark Hunt's the free agent. So let's see which one of us wants to go get him. And then Scott Coker then offers Mark Hunt all kinds of money. But then he gets outbid by one championship. So now Mark Hunt then goes, uh, fights Brandon Vera. You see what I mean? Like, that's how boxing works. So boxing is dictated by the groups. That, the, the, but then they do want to fight each other. But they only will want to fight each other if it makes good business sense. If it doesn't make good business sense, then they just go, okay, screw it then. We'll just, well, uh, who's the ne- who's the next number one contender? 
And again, right now, Wilder's number one contender is Dominic Brazil. Uh, and if, and, and if, you're a, if you're paying attention to boxing, Dominic Brazil was the quarterback from uh, collegiate football who went into uh, boxing. Um, he's got a pretty good backstory behind him. And uh, I think with Wilder's popularity right now, Wilder Brazil would make a pretty good amount of money anyways. It wouldn't make massive money, but, you know, Brazil's the number one contender. And, um, you know, in, in, in American soil, that'd do pretty well. I think uh, Tyson Fury over the weekend just became a, a megastar. Like, everyone knew who Tyson Fury was, and they were kind of familiar with him and his, his, his ups, his downs. But, you know, seeing how he handled himself, seeing how he promoted the fights, singing all the songs in the, in the post-fight press conferences and, you know, hosting another one the next morning, just kind of impromptu and just kind of acting the way he is and, and, and raising awareness towards mental health. I, I think he's become a megastar right now and everyone's talking about it. I thought the fight promotion as a whole was absolutely incredible and, and Fury definitely gained a lot of new fans with that performance in the ring, out of the ring. And he seems to have turned this corner with fans uh, uh, you know, around the world who may be boxing fans, maybe just be getting into the sport now. And you know, like me, I've known of Tyson Fury. I, I know he's been through a lot. He's overcome a lot, overcame some adversity and had that performance on Saturday night. So you being a boxing enthusiast, you being a coach, what have you seen from Fury from kind of the lowest of the lows to where he is now? What has that been like for you to see that kind of transgression for him yeah no i love it i, I mean be, you know positive energy is always welcomed man and, and and i think that tyson fury really shares a very unique story in that he isn't old i mean he's still in in the peak he, he, it's it's arguable that he hasn't even maybe hit his peak yet because he's just lost 400 pounds you know what i mean so um i, I think that for him to be positive for him to be so open about you know all, you know, commit uh, trying to commit suicide and mental health and, you know, him saying, if I can go through this and make it this far, then all of us can, you know, everybody can fight. And, and I love that. I love, I love, I mean, I, I've never met Tyson Fury myself, but I would love to now. Um, I know, I know he uh, brought Freddie in to the team uh, on this last camp. So I don't know if that trend will stay. Hopefully it does, you know, hard to say, um, but um, he's definitely got a great story. It's something that a lot of people are going to follow in the UK right now. He is a massive star for sure. For sure, man. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember on the Canelo Golovkin, um, two fight this year, uh, we were at the, the dinner that uh, happens for all the media and, and everybody who's involved for promotions. Um, uh, two nights before the fight and in the table I was at, I was sitting with the BBC group. Um, so I'm talking to them about just the way the UK thinks and how does the UK look at their athletes. And they told me that they love the winner, but the, as a whole, the people love the underdog, like second place person more in, in a weird way. It's like they were saying, Gold medalists are great, but in a lot of ways, the silver medalists actually become more popular, just depending on how the story is. Um, because in the UK, everybody loves the underdog story. Everybody loves the come from behind, uh, you know, that, yeah, maybe you didn't win the fight, but what you, everything you had to do just to get back up. Uh, so I know, just talking to those guys and uh, how Tyson Fury is being received right now, Mike, 
he is a massive star. And I, and I could actually maybe even argue that at this point, at least this week, he's a bigger star than Anthony Joshua, which is, again, why I think the two of them are going to end up fighting. Because now you have two massive stars in their own pond, you know? Yeah, it's interesting to see the the come-from-behind story like Tyson Fury, and then you're seeing guys who are kind of on the top of the food chain in the MMA circle, like Max Holloway. You know, He's been dealing with depression and a lot of different things over this last year, and he had a great interview with Ariel Hawani on Monday, so I, I highly recommend you check that out and kind of get a, a champion's perspective on you know, what life is like as a champion and some of the things you have to go through. And, you know, speaking of MMA, your boy Frank Mir's back in action in, in less than two weeks, getting ready to take on Javi Ayala in Hawaii. How's Frank Mir doing? How's he feeling as he gets ready to get back in the cage? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've only seen the reports from the outside. Uh, me and Frank's, we worked on the uh, Fedor uh, uh, fight together. And then uh, I, you know, I had to take some time for myself uh, to put myself into the congenital heart defect community more as you know mike my son uh he was born with congenital heart defect uh so uh on this particular fight i didn't get a chance to actually work with frank at all i know he started his training camp i want to say it was maybe six weeks ago or eight weeks ago and and I, i've been up in the bay area um but uh he's got great coaches behind him he still has a. Uh, uh, James Horn. Um, I know he's got Carl Prince right now doing all of his striking. Uh, he's got Drysdale with him, and 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 I know Frank, man. And Frank looks like he's in great shape. Uh, so should be. I mean, should do just fantastic. Um, hard to say again because it's the heavyweight division, right? Javi Ayala. It's easy if 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 you're going into a fight like that. It's easy for people to say. Oh, Javi Ayala, he's going to be an easy fight. But I don't think anyone in the heavyweight division's an easy fight. I mean, Javi Ayala, I think it was his last fight, he got knocked out by, by Congo. But Javi's also the guy who knocked out, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this guy's name too. But he's, he just recently beat up Roy Nelson. Help me out, Mike. Who's the guy that just beat Roy Nelson in the heavyweight match for Bellator? Oh, I forget his name off the top of my head. Yeah, see, I'm bu- I'm gonna butcher the name, but Javi Ayala, uh, Coratano, Coratano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, a, I knew. Yeah, ha- yeah, yeah. Ha- ha- so Javi Ayala knocked out Coratano. So that's that's what I mean. Is it, it's one of these things where it's the heavyweight division, man. I mean, you just saw what happened with Fedor Mir. Uh, Mir knocked him down in the first twenty seconds. Frank's winning. The last twenty seconds, Fedor wins. Welcome to the heavyweight division, <laughs> and, and, and when it's M- when it's MMA, man, anything can happen. So, um, so yeah, no, I I, um, I I know people should definitely tune in. Uh, Bellator is amazing at uh, as a company. I, I absolutely love those guys, Rich Chu and Scott Coker, Mike Hogan, all the uh, everybody there, Jane, everyone at, at Bellator is amazing. I, I feel like they're family. So, um, you guys should definitely tune in. I think that the, that card too in two weeks. It's Hawaii. It's uh, they're doing back to back. They're doing one for the U.S. troops, right? Yeah. Um, on December fourteenth, and then and then they're doing the next one, which is, which is a uh, Limalay McFarland versus a uh, Valerie Letourneau. So, uh, my boy King Mo is going to be on there. You know, he's gonna he's gonna get a chance to uh, 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 get a win against uh, Liam McGeary. So that'll be interesting, right? Uh, oh, yeah. that'll, that'll be an interesting fight. So everybody should definitely tune in to the Bellator fight uh, next week. But look, dude, like like this weekend, are you gonna watch this weekend's fights? Because Lomachenko, Lomachenko against Pedraza. Get back to boxing, Mike. <laughs> Lomachenko, Pedraza, man. Or uh, ESPN, 
Lomachenko still arguably would be pound for pound the best fighter right now. And, um, and uh, that's, that's just how hot boxing is. We went from the two biggest guys. Now you're about to see the super small man. The, the super small man that could probably fight Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. That guy's so amazing. <laughs> I want to I, I talk a little bit more about uh, what you've been doing, but before we do that, can I get your thoughts on Golden Boy MMA's first show? I, I know I know Frank did color commentary. He did a great job as always, and then Chuck and Tito fought in the main event, and Tito knocked him out, and you know, for whatever reason, you know, a lot of negative came out of that fight. It was the biggest story coming out of that weekend. What did you think of that whole thing? Yeah, you know, it's tough. I mean, look, Golden Boy Promotions, their expertise is boxing, right? Um, and a lot of, you know, a, a, a lot of different things, I'm sure, had to happen in order for Golden Boy to get involved with MMA. Um, I know Eric Gomez personally, who's, the, who's now the president of uh, Golden Boy Promotions, and and he he he's man, that guy's a good leader. I mean, he does does really good things. He he he, he obviously you've seen how well Golden Boy has grown. Um, so them getting into MMA, obviously, it's it's easy to point out the rough parts of the of the match. Um, Chuck and Tito fighting, you know, the California State Athletic Commission did allow it, but. I don't know, man. I mean, it's hard, right? Like, should we, should we say yes to fighters who are obviously that far off in, in terms of their prime? Um, you know, they're so much older now. But then you, then you argue the whole Rocky Balboa movie, right? You know, that's what the Rocky Balboa movie was, is uh, when, when he came back to fight Tarver in that exhibition um, <laughs> movie-style match. Should you say no to fighters who train really hard and if they're physically fit um, to actually battle? And if you're telling me even 10,000 people or 20,000 people are willing to buy the pay-per-view, I mean, should we, you know, who are we to really tell them no? You know, so, um, so I don't know. I'm kind of split on, on, on the feelings of it. I, I think, you know, because I know that, that Golden Boy and, and their group are a good group of people, um, you know, it, it 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 didn't seem nothing about the the promotion seemed weird or shady. I I just think that it was more. It's their first go at MMA, and MMA, as you know, is a very it's it, it's very specific, man. If you're going to get into promoting it, you better really, really, really know everything. Um, and 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 it, it was tough, you know. I, I in in terms of the matchup, I mean, did, was there any when you watched the card itself? You yourself, Mike, and you're into MMA. So when you watched it, was there any particular matches that stuck out in your mind that made you go, well, wow, you know, the takeaway from this is I really liked watching blank. Anything like that come up for you during that pay-per-view? I mean, I was excited to see uh, the Duran win uh, versus Tom Lawler fight, and Duran win looked fantastic in that fight. So that was like the big takeaway for me, you know, being a Cormier guy, and you've been hearing about him for a while, and actually got to see him. So that was that was good. But you know, I, it, it was kind of like that whole thing was like a canker sore for me. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you don't want to play with it, but you can't help yourself, and that's kind of what that fight card was for me. You know, I felt like obligated that I had to watch it just because you know I, I covered the sport. But I tried as much as possible to to avoid that altogether, and at the end, I was like, Ugh, "I guess, I guess I'll do it." But I got to see Duran <laughs> win, and I was happy about it. 
Right, right, right. And 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 again, man, like, look, we've has it been? It's been over a year now, right? That we heard about Zufa boxing, and uh, you know how Dana White's gotten into it. So there's probably a reason why he hasn't done his first Zufa boxing show yet, because Dana's probably sitting there saying to himself, "Look, man." Boxing is a super specific sport. If we're going to do it, we want to do it right. And then again, even what let's say he's doing all this research to finally come up with a great Zufa boxing event. What if that first boxing event is is really crappy? You know, because he can't. You know, because of however it gets put together. So, so I, you know, I, I would say again, I, I would give Golden Boy the pass. You know, in in the sense that if it ends up being a one off, and they never get back into it again. It's not going to change the fact that Golden Boy Promotions is still one of the best promotions out there, especially when it comes to boxing. Um, and if it was the first match and they have to kind of take their their licks, you know, like, OK, man, we're still learning about the sport. We're still trying to put the right teams together. Um, then great. I would love for uh, a Golden Boy Promotions to really want to get involved in, 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 in a sport like uh, mixed martial arts, because, as you know, Mike, mixed martial arts is amazing. It's the fastest growing sport in the world you know it's 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 an amazing sport to get involved in so um so i hope so i hope so maybe i'll, I'll maybe i'll give eric a call actually i need to give him a call anyway i'll give him a call and say uh, and ask him hey man are you gonna do another one is there gonna be another <laughs> is there gonna, maybe i don't know we'll see before we get out of here I, I want you to to let you have the floor to talk about something very important you mentioned it briefly uh very near and dear to you you've been raising awareness of congenital heart defect and you know there's a lot of bad things happening in the world you know cancer has affected pretty much all of us alzheimer's disease has affected a lot of us and our families and i was doing a little research after you sent me some things on instagram there was a study done in 2016 and it said that chd affects I think it was 1% of the world's population and a little over a million newborns each year. So this is a very rare thing, and it's something that you are very passionate about and gotten involved in. So talk about what you've been doing and why this has become a really important mission for you. Yeah, no, so my son, uh, you know, before he was even born, we were one of the fortunate ones where um, we we were told before he was out of the womb that he only had half of a heart. He did not have the right ventricle. He only had the left ventricle. So the it's called tricuspid atresia, hypoplastic right ventricle syndrome. Um, but basically in layman's term, that's what it is. It, it's you're born and the right ventricle is, is the part of your heart that pumps blood to your lungs so you could breathe. Um, if you look up congenital heart defect, uh, people who were born like my my son in the past, uh, without all of the technologies of everyone being aware, uh, they would just they would just pass away, man. And 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 that's and to this day, like you said, you know, here we are. It's 2018, and I I, I understand that there are a lot of of really terrible sicknesses out there, like cancer, like Alzheimer's, like you mentioned. I think that there's not enough awareness being given towards congenital heart defect. I mean, you've known me for a little bit, Mike, and I, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't, I've lived with it for 14 years now with my own son, raising this, this, this boy to become a man. And, um, and we deal with it. And, and, and as parents within the community, you just deal with it, you go with it. But, I think the fact that there's not enough awareness about uh, about this about this 
sickness. And people don't realize that one in a hundred babies every year get affected by it. More, more children die of congenital heart defect than every single cancer combined. You just combine them all more, more die because of congenital heart defect and congenital heart defect. You will hear about it when, when things are happening, like, um, Shaquille O'Neal's son just got diagnosed, right? Um, uh, it was a couple of years ago. It was Jimmy Kimmel's uh, newborn that was diagnosed. Um, but congenital heart defects been, been around for, for a long time uh, and it needs more funding. It, it, it needs more people to be aware that it is out there and, and it is a sickness that is not durable. Um, you know, uh, friends of mine, like Ronnie Cherioff, who was born with, uh, with it. Um, you, you go through your procedures, my son, He's had a total of nine surgeries. He, he's going to have to do another one. Um, and this is, you, you know, if, if, the, if at the very least all I, someone like me can do is bring awareness to it and let people know, hey, can you please just go on Google, research congenital heart defect. Just be aware that it's out there. Um, if you have kids yourself, Maybe, uh, you know, it'd be a good idea for you to ask the doctor to give them an echocardiogram. Just check and make sure. Uh, a lot of times these, these kids, they don't even know. They don't find out until later. And then, and then they're older and then it's too late. Uh, so just be aware. Just be aware. Uh, you know, re- recently I've been putting something together and, and, and hopefully I can talk about it more publicly going uh, into next year. But uh trying to get different athletes together to, to help me out with just being able to teach these children, uh, you know, these kids with congenital heart defect who aren't necessarily allowed to be a part of teams uh, because of their condition. Um, people like my son uh, who, you know, he's now at that age, he's 14, freshman in high school. Uh, I mean, I don't want to waste too much of the podcast time, but just to get him involved in the basketball team, for the high school basketball team, there was a lot that had to happen from doctor checks to cardiology team, sending you a letter to the parents, talking to the teachers, to the parents, talking to the coaches. So um, it's a very involved thing. And that's just to get my son into a freshman basketball team in high school. Um, so that's, you know, again, it's very dear to me. It's close to my heart. It affects me personally. And, and I feel like, uh, so many of these children and so many of these parents really need a lot of help, uh, in terms of just how to live their life as, as, as best as they can in a positive way so that their children don't have to feel so handicapped. Um, so, uh, that's something I'm working on. Um, but uh, like I said, Mike, you know, people like you give me a stage so I can talk about it a little bit. If, if at the very least people could just go into Google, research congenital heart defect, um, go under Google, look up uh, foundations like the Children's Heart Foundation, uh, you know, please do that just so you could find out more information about the sickness. Yeah, and if you're a, if you're a parent or about to become a parent, it's definitely something you should definitely look into and, and be educated on because you never know. It could happen to you and you know, you're a little more prepared for it. So, so thank you for sharing all that, Angelo. And, and, you know, when all this comes out and in 2019 and and you get stuff put together, let us know and and we'll help you promote it, man. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. And thank you again, Mike. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So Angelo, always great catching up with you, man. And like you said, at the beginning of this thing, 
you know, we can't be strange. can't be strangers this long when it comes to the podcast world. So I'm back. We're we're rolling again, and you know, there's gonna be lots of big fights coming up, and and we'll have to have you back on throughout 2019, and and we'll break them all down. How does how's that sound? Yeah, no, that sounds great. Let's start with um, just you know, keep this in mind. I know that you got some big some big moves happening for you, but Pacquiao Broner. January 19th, man. So you know you and I are going to have to talk about that one. Pacquiao Broner. So sometime maybe like right after uh, the holidays. I'm in. And I need to get on. I'm in. You'll be my first interview when we get to the Cape. How's that? Okay, cool. Cool. That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. All right, man. Well, I always appreciate it, man. Uh, you know, best wishes, best everything. You know, big big shout out to your son, everything he's going through, and you know, just really tough kid. I hope you and I hope everything's working out for you guys, and 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 kudos to you and all the work you're doing to raise awareness for congenital heart defect. And thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, Mike. Thank you very much. All right, great stuff from Coach Angelo Reyes. Always great chatting with him, and he makes my life way easier. Because I just lead him and he goes and we all learn a lot. And that's the amazing thing about having him on the show. So big thank you to Angel Reyes. Nice little pop-up episode of the Extra Outs podcast on Fan Side and Sports Illustrated MMA. And we'll be back at it recording another episode tomorrow like we talked about at the beginning of the show. Valentina Shevchenko, Leah Letson, Zach Otto, Maurice Green will all join us. So make sure you subscribe to the show and get it immediately upon release on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen to the show. Big shout out to our sponsor, Test Strips with a Z.com. Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. Turn your extra unused diabetes supplies into cash up to $50 per box. Go to teststrips.com. That's teststrips with a Z.com. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you later on this week for another episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast. Podcast.